The New York Mets are reportedly showing heavy interest in Jorge Soler in free agency. Is this the bat they've been missing? I'll break it all down on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we have Jorge Soler to discuss. In the first segment, I'll break down his free agency, how much he could make. The Mets are showing some interest. In the second segment, I'll go through the pros and cons to signing Soler then in the final segment, some sad news to discuss. Bud Harrelson has passed away. We're going to pay tribute to one of the first great players in Mets history. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X, Ficklestein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. What will the Mets do at DH? We are getting some conflicting reports this week because earlier on, it's Andy Martino and SNY saying the Mets have $10 million left to spend. That'll be used for the bullpen. The rest of the team is basically set in stone or close to it. Then David Stern speaks this week. He says the Mets are always keeping their options open. They're always going to explore everything. But he also sort of references uh, wanting to give young players opportunity feeling like it's good to be able to cycle multiple guys through that DH spot. And so more and more, it felt like the Mets were going to roll with Mark Vientos at DH, uh, have DJ Stewart as an option, Starling Marte as an option, and just sort of see how the year goes. And obviously there's young players they're really excited about with Drew Gilbert starting the year in AAA. And there's a lot of options for the New York Mets. I mean, you could have Brandon Nemo DHing this year. Honestly, if Drew Gilbert is starting in left, you have Bader in center and Taylor in right. You never know what could happen. So the Mets have a lot of internal options that they're obviously playing with in their minds. But if you look at this lineup, it absolutely needs a bat to you know, give Pete Alonso some protection and to give you another legitimate home run threat. So Soler makes a lot of sense. And now today there has been some interest from or some reported interest, according to Robert Murray, a fan cited, who was the first one to report that the Mets were linked to him. Um, at least now as his free agency seems to be heating up. And then Hector Gomez sort of upped the ante and said the Mets are showing heavy interest in Soler. Now, this could be something, it could be nothing. You never really know what's going to happen in free agency. The Mets were linked to uh, Luis Severino and Sean Manaya, and they ended up signing those guys. And then we never heard anything about their connection to Harrison Bader. And all of a sudden, boom, he's a Met. So you can always take these reports with a grain of salt, but it is interesting to see that Soler would be the guy they identified when there are multiple options. You have J.D. Martinez, you have Justin Turner, and you have Soler as sort of the top three DH bats available. But for both Martinez and Turner, these are guys who are later on in their career. Maybe they are, while high floor bats, lower ceiling. And what we have noticed this offseason is David Stern has really been focused on ceiling. You look at Severino, Manaya. These are guys that... 
they're hoping can tap into something a little bit extra this year. Harrison Bader is a guy that gives you a floor of a great defender, but there's injury concern. And then the bat, he hasn't really been able to put it together much throughout his big league career, but there are flashes where you say, oh my God, this guy's an unbelievable talent. The Mets have been you know, looking in that direction when it comes to you know, trying to find the guys that could really have a massive impact. Also taking some risk in some of these signings. Soler would fit that billing. Instead of signing a guy in his late 30s with Martinez or Turner, Soler's in his early 30s. It's coming off a great season. I'll get into the stats a little bit in the next segment. But I want to now focus on the marketplace because you know we have said or we've noticed that guys have really been getting paid this offseason. The last two signings have come in, though, a little bit less than I would have thought. And that's Shota Imanaga, who only got $53 million guaranteed from the Cubs which, I mean, we could spend a whole segment on that and how the Mets should have been in on him. But, hey, he, he might have won the Cubs. Apparently, there was other teams out there that offered him more money, and he chose the Cubs. But it still felt like less than we thought he would get. Marcus Stroman signs with the Yankees. Now, he opted out of $21 million and now signs a two-year $37 million deal. I would imagine that's less than he thought he was going to get when he entered the market, but that's all that was available to him. We've seen starting pitchers get paid before those two guys. And, you know, they still might get paid. But I do wonder if we're getting to the juncture of the offseason where players are starting to have to come down a little bit on their asking price. And when it comes to position players, we haven't seen guys really get paid. Otani, of course. But outside of that, you have Jamer Candelario and Lourdes Gurriel as the only two guys who have gotten multi-year deals. Gurriel, it was a three-year $42 million deal. That was $14 million per. For Candelario, it was three years $45 million. 15 million per not crazy contracts. The other big deal you have Teoscar Hernandez who got 23 and a half million from the Dodgers, but eight and a half of that was deferred. The present money value of that was 20 and a half million. It's about a qualifying offer on a one-year deal for a guy that we thought was going to get four years. You have Harrison Bader and Kiermaier. They both got 10 and a half million, which seems like a lot of money for glove first center fielders, but also it's only one year deals. So again, this market isn't really paying position players too much. So when you think about what this guy might get, you might be able to get him for less than $20 million per. The question is how many years? At JustBaseball.com, we have an article predicting contracts. Tim Kelly wrote it. Uh, he had the top 25 at the beginning off season. Then he did a, an update with the remaining top 25. And his prediction on Solaire has been three years, $50 million. He's been close on a lot of these guys that have signed. Like Sonny Grant, he got the dollar amount right. Imanaga, he was close on him. Well, not the 53 a million, but if the entire contract vests and it's a five-year deal, he actually hit that one on the head. So, you know, Tim's been pretty spot on here. I wouldn't be surprised if he was spot on again with $50 million over three years, which comes out to $16.7 million per. For a DH, I mean, obviously it, it locks you in some ways when it comes to roster flexibility, but it's also not a crazy dollar amount. And if you look at the last contract you signed, Solaire with the Marlins got a three or $36 million deal that had opt-outs after each of the first two seasons. He could sign a similar contract now, honestly. That deal had plate appearance incentives. So he got 500K if he had 350 plate appearances and 400 plate appearances, then a million each at 450, 500, and 550. He did not hit any of those incentives in his first year. But this past year, he had 580 plate appearances. So he hit all those incentives. He took a base salary of $15 million and turned it into $19 million. 
Can the New York Mets structure a similar contract now for Soler? Three years, $45 million, with those same type of incentives in place that would get him closer to 20 if he was healthy? I think that's pretty realistic. And so with that, I don't think it's crazy to sign this guy. I really don't. The question is going to be, for one, the health. And we'll talk about that a little more in the next segment because I do believe in some respects his injury history is a little bit overblown, but in others there's been back injuries, and that's always concerning. Then there's the performance, and I want to get into the positive side of that because this really is a prodigious power bat. This is a guy that hits behind Alonzo, and you could have two 40 home run bats right in the middle of your lineup. That could really do a lot for this ball club. So I want to break down the pros and cons of signing Jorge Soler next. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets. What's great about the Game Time app, when you pull it up, you're going to see all the events upcoming in your area. So you might see a comedy show that's you know on Friday night into Thursday, and you could tell, you know what? Let me look and see what the price is. You might get a great deal on tickets. You also, if you're you know a basketball fan right now, you can see NBA games, and the closer you get to tip-off, the lower those prices are going to be. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view of your seat before you arrive, so you know exactly what to expect. There's all-in prices shown up front, so there's no hidden fees that you're not aware of and you know you're getting a great deal before checkout. Plus, you can buy tickets in just seconds, two taps, you're all set. Game time has deals right up again to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place for last-minute tickets. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. Use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKEDON for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed if you don't want to miss out on any of the latest Mets news this offseason make sure you become a locked on Mets insider this is our texting service where you get updates from me anytime something breaks on the Mets anytime I have know, just a hot take I want to share or if I wrote a story that I want to uh, show you or just even if I found a story out that I think is of interest, I can share it with the Lockdown Mets Insiders and you can ask me questions anytime. If you want to be part of this bonus coverage, make sure you find the link in the episode description. Go to subtext.com slash Mets. All right, so let's talk about the health concern with Jorge Soler because I do think in some respects it's a little bit overblown. 2019, this guy played every game, full 162, That was with the Royals. He hit 48 bombs playing in Kauffman, which is not easy to do. Uh, We'll talk about some of the other stat stuff in a minute, but just since I said 48 bombs in in, in Kansas City, his slugging percentage on fastballs in 2019 was over 700, which is just absurd. Now, 2021, he wins a World Series with the Braves, um, split his time. I believe it was KC and uh, Atlanta that year. He played 149 games, so he was healthy. Now, 2022, he signs that deal with the Marlins. He played in just 72 games. He dealt with a nagging back injury, but stayed in the lineup until the end of June. Then he missed a few weeks with a pelvis injury, comes back, plays for a week in five games, ends up back on the aisle with a back injury that cost him the rest of the season. So 
He played in just five games in July, missed all of August and September, and he did play a lot of left field that year. Now, last year, the Marlins mostly had him at DH. Okay, He started 31 games in the outfield. The rest of his 137 games were played at DH. Okay, Stayed healthy until August, had a hip injury that flared up, then an oblique strain. So he missed a little bit of time, but again, 137 games played. He was relatively healthy. So of his last you know, four full seasons, you have 2019, played every game. You throw out 2020, 60-game season. You did play in 43 games, but regardless. 2021, healthy all year. 22, major injuries. And then 23, relatively healthy all year. A three-year deal for Jorge Soler, there's risk attached. Don't get me wrong. We're seeing the risk of Starling Marte and his injuries right now, you know, the worst case scenario is Solaire is banged up. You don't get a lot of him this year. And then all, all of a sudden next year, you have two guys on your books at around the same number, Marte a little bit more, but you know, more than 15, less than 20, right around there, big chunk salaries that aren't playing for you. That's the concern. But if you want to win this year and you want to win the next couple of years, Solaire does make a ton of sense. This guy could have a massive impact on the New York Mets. There, there's just no doubt about that. He hit 250 this year, 341 on base, 512 slug, had 36 home runs, drove in 75. I think those RBIs would be a lot higher if he was on a better team. Yes, the Marlins made the playoffs, but it was a lot of one-run wins. They didn't have the best offense. They had Solaire and Luis Arise. And then, you know, Jazz Chisholm when he was healthy and a lot of question marks. Soler was great. And he he walks at a good clip throughout his entire career, walks over 10% of the time. That's why his career on base percentage is 330, which is a solid enough number. He, his slug is always pretty good. Career slug, 467. When he's great, he could tap into a 500 slugging percentage. But even on a down year, he'll slug around 450. So if you get a 330 to 340 on base, three you know 450 to 460 slug, now you're close to an 800 OPS guy. I think at his best, he's an 850 OPS guy. This past year, he was at 853 for his OPS. You look at some of the batted ball data. This guy hits the ball as hard as anyone. When it comes to average exit velocity this year, he was in the 81st percentile at 91.3 miles per hour. When it comes to max exit velo, he's in the top you know, 6% of the league, 114.8 miles per hour this year was his hardest hit ball. The two prior years, he had balls hit at 117 miles per hour, so that's ridiculously high. He finds the barrel really well, 91st percentile in barrel percentage. Um, expected slug, 94th percentile. This guy is just a power hitter, and that's what the Mets need. They need to add some power to their lineup. Solaire would do that. Uh, you look at the lineup, one through nine, if you plug Solaire in, and let's just say you go with – uh, you know, Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Jorge Soler. That, that's a, a group of five that is really, really deep, uh, really talented. You could always bump McNeil behind Soler to split up your lefties a little bit. You plug in, you know, Marte in the two hole. Maybe you just bump everyone up. Lindor's hitting second, Alonso third, Soler cleanup, whatever it is. You at least have five hitters you feel good about. You hope that Marte can bounce back. You hope you get more from, from Alvarez this year, a little more consistency. He continues to provide you with some pop. You have you know uh, the hope of Brett Beatty being able to produce 
the team just looks a lot better if you add that one bat into the mix. The downside is, again, the injury concern. There, there is certainly still some of that. Um, having to give three years to a guy I don't necessarily love uh, because, look, I don't really know what the 2026 Mets are going to be. Uh, but you want to leave as many of those positions open so that these young players can filter through. And I feel really good about the top three prospects in the Mets system right now. Of course, that's Jet Williams, Luisa Helicuna, and Drew Gilbert. I think all of them you know, should be starting level players as soon as maybe even 2025. So if you're going to have – and look, prospects, you're not guaranteed they're going to pan out. But I feel pretty good about those guys. You still have Mauricio to come back in, in 2025. You have Beatty and Vantos that you're going to see more of this year. There's a lot of young talent that you want to get looks at. And there is part of me that wonders if you're sacrificing a little bit of your future if you clog up a DH spot for the present. But then there's the other side of me that says, look, injuries always happen. And it's not like Soler can't play the outfield. It's better to keep him away from it. But you can stick him in left field a little bit. The Marlins did it 30 times last year. Maybe you can squeeze 50 games out of him in left field. So you always could open up some time at DH if someone like Vientos hits enough to warrant it. You could also just you know tell Mark Vientos, look, sink or swim, buddy. You got to play third base. You want to get some at-bats? Beat out Brett Beatty. And that healthy competition between the two of them could be a great thing. And worst-case scenario, one of them is parked in AAA, hopefully putting up big numbers, and maybe you can flip a guy like that at the deadline if you are in the mix. I would be thrilled if the New York Mets signed Jorge Soler because as a fan, you're thinking about the 2024 season and it would be great to have that other bat in the lineup. Now, if a report comes out on Friday that Jorge Soler is signing with the Mariners or the Red Sox or whatever team it ends up being, and it's not the Mets, I'm not going to lose sleep over it either because I've already sort of come to terms with the the idea that the Mets are not going to be adding a DH. And, I'm comfortable with that. I really am. The Mets don't add a DH while I understand fans are going to be frustrated and they're going to look at this lineup and they're going to think it's it's weak. And, and on paper, it certainly appears to be you know that way until we've seen what some of these young guys can do or if you know DJ Stewart's end of last season is actually what he's going to be moving forward. But I, I do think for the long-term future of the Mets, having the DH spot as a place to cycle guys throughout this year is not the worst thing in the world, particularly when I look at Starling Marte's health because I still sort of envision him and say he could just be your DH and you go defense first in the outfield. But Soler backing up Alonzo in that lineup, that would be huge. And you know what? Home runs win baseball games, especially nowadays. You need home runs because guess what? If Jorge Soler has a three-run bomb in the second inning or third inning of a game, Guess what? The New York Mets stand a much better chance of winning that game. And if instead of Soler batting behind Alonzo, it's Jeff McNeil, the chance of getting that bomb is a little bit less. And also to have Soler giving Alonzo protection means that Alonzo is going to get pitched to more. And maybe instead of hitting 37 home runs, he hits 45 home runs. Those little things can matter. So I'm definitely interested in the Mets signing Soler. My preference would be that they get him on a two-year deal. Um, but if he needs three years and the dollar amount comes out to a 
well less than $20 million a season. If it is three years, 50 or three years, 45 with some incentives baked, baked in there for plate appearances. I think that'd be a quality signing for the New York Mets. So we'll see what ends up breaking when it comes to Jorge Soler. In the last segment today, though, we have to honor a Mets legend, but Harrelson unfortunately passed away. So we're going to pay tribute to him in the final segment. Before we get to that though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. The time is now to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways that you can bet, like same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub where you can actually find the most popular parlays. You can just jump right on one of those and – Look, if you're not into football, you got NBA action, okay? So there's always something to to bet on. And also, we got MLB futures to look forward to now, too, with the season not too far uh, away at this point. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup. That is putting $5 down to get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. Remember, FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Thursday was a sad day for Mets fans as Bud Harrelson has passed away at 79 years old. This is one of the greatest players in franchise history. One of the first sort of star players in franchise history. He wasn't a great hitter, but the man was an amazing shortstop and he was part of some great teams, particularly the 1969 Miracle Mets. He was a key figure on that team. Actually, early on in the season, the Mets were going through a five-game losing streak, which they did a lot of early in that season. They were 18-23. and 23. And Bud Harrelson had a game-winning hit in the 11th inning against the San Diego Padres that sparked an 11-game winning streak that took the Mets from fourth place to second place. From that game on throughout the season, the Mets went 82-39. and They eventually won the World Series, came the miracle of Mets, the amazing Mets. Harrelson was a huge part of that team. He was a slick-fielding shortstop that played behind Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman and Gary Gentry, and he was a big part of what made those teams with those great pitchers so successful. He was a two-time All-Star. He won a gold glove in 1971, spent 13 seasons with the New York Mets, uh, coached with the Mets in the 1980s, was on the staff in 1986 when the Mets won a World Series. So the two World Series this franchise has, Harrelson was a key figure on both of those teams. Uh, he was one of the first members in the Mets Hall of Fame, along with Rusty Staub in 1986. He became the Mets manager in 1990. He was the one that succeeded uh, Davey Johnson, helped the Mets win uh, that year. They had a winning season. And then 1991, the, the wheels sort of fell off of that great team from the 80s, and he was fired. But an amazing career with the Mets, uh, a guy that was really part of putting the franchise on the map, one of just the integral pieces to the fabric of this franchise. So it's really sad to hear that he passed away. I hope the Mets honor him this year. I know they will. Steve Cohen has done a great job of doing that, you know, under his ownership up to this point from getting guys into the hall of fame from, you know, retiring jerseys. You know, it's good to have an owner that is a Mets fan. And, you know, this is one of the players that I'm sure he grew up 
rooting for, and and I bet that the Mets do something special for him. Uh, I think they should probably put a jersey patch on, honestly. Um, and I do want to shout out one of the Locked On Mets insiders from our Texan service did also mention that to me. Um, and I hope the Mets do it. I really do, because you look at what he meant to the franchise. Um, you know, I think putting number three on, on their sleeve this year would be a great memento. I don't know if they'll put it somewhere in the stadium. I imagine they might. Uh, just to pay tribute to a guy that was really important to this franchise in the beginning. And again, a guy that was a, a key piece of the fabric of both of the two championships that the New York Mets have won. So uh, rest in peace to a great Met and Bud Harrelson, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to his family and friends during this tough time. And uh, we'll see um, exactly, you know, what the Mets, you know, do to, to honor him this year, but I'm sure it's going to be something special um, as they pay tribute to a guy that again, was just a really big part of this franchise. Anyway, a little bit of a sad note to end the show on, but I just wanted to make sure that we gave Bud Harrelson uh, his tribute on the show because he certainly deserves it. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets for this week on Locked On Mets. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get to 8,000 subs. So appreciate all of you who subscribe. If you're listening on the audio side, follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Unless we have some breaking news this weekend, this will be the last show until Monday, but I'll be back with more Mets content then. Um, and you know, now that you made it to the end of the show, if you're watching on YouTube, head over to Locked On Sports today, the first ever 24-7 streaming service covering everything in the world of sports with our local experts from each team and our league-wide experts from each league. You can follow Locked On Sports Today streaming 24-7 on YouTube.